to hear a recording of this worship team. They had a CD for sale. Just it's called Eyes Wide Open. How many of you have listened to some of the songs? All right, they're good. Good stuff. Amen, amen. And again, we'd like to say welcome to each and every one of you. So good to be here. Amen. And uh, we're going to call your attention this morning to the book of Luke, chapter number 6. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then 6 and 7. And uh, there is a storyline within those, and we'll we'll, uh, cover the entire story, but for reading's sake and for time's sake, we'll just read uh, those four verses. This story is also found, just in case uh, uh, you're wondering, the same story is found in Mark chapter 3 and Matthew the 12th chapter. So what we're going to be talking about today was the three of the four gospel writers thought it important enough, at least it caught their attention, to where three of the four of them recorded it. Okay? So, amen. In Luke chapter number 6, verse number 1 and 2, it reads like this, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them in their hands. How many of you have been that hungry? Not likely, right? And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath days? And then, same chapter in verse number 6 and 7, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue, Jesus did, and he taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. All right, how many of you got a right hand today? A couple of you? Okay. And it was withered, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him, watched Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. What kind of a mindset is that when you go to church, right? Right? Amen. And I would like to speak to you this morning on this thought, withered hands and weary hearts. Amen. And I'm going to ask Brother McCune to lead us in prayer. And, uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I would like you to close your eyes if you, if you would while Brother McCune is praying. And I, I want... If you are brave enough this morning, if you have a need, okay, if you have a need this morning that you need the Lord's, it's bigger than you you are, okay? It's bigger than what man can do for you. I want you simply just to raise your hand. That's all. Nobody's going to see. You know, you're not going to be a Pharisee and look around, okay, and wonder, okay, what's going on with that guy, I wonder, okay? But we're just gonna. I just want to know because sometimes, you know, during the service and even after service, sometimes, you know, I, I I just don't really know where some folks are at. And so while Brother McCune's praying, all eyes closed, 
If you have a need this morning that you need the Lord to minister to, I want you to raise your hand. Brother McCune, if you would lead us in prayer, please. Father, we ask you today to let your word go forth with yes. great anointing and power that we might receive from you those things that we have need of. For we truly are a needy people. And we ask God for your strength to be upon everyone, that everyone will leave here blessed of you, anointed of you, and strengthened for the days ahead because we know we are in evil days and we need your guidance, your wisdom, and your power to walk daily with you. Lord, anoint us today with your word. In Jesus' name we do ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea, I counted at least 14 hands that went up. Amen. And to our, our guests here today, and especially if you are a first-time visitor, and uh, let me just say, this little wipey thing here, I, you know, I'm not used to having to have one of these around, right? So... If I do this sometimes and then I throw it down, it's because I don't need it for this microphone, but we need it for that handheld. So, okay, just, it's not something I blew my nose on or anything. It's just to kind of, you know, keep things sanitary. But I just want you to know that, to especially our visitors here today, that to us, to those of us that that are part of the family of the Tower of Pentecost. We come here, we, we worship God and we come to church, especially on Sundays. Number one, because when we come to church, for us, the most important thing for us is Him. Amen. And when He comes to church, when the presence of the Lord comes to church, and according to His Word, that's any time that two or three come together in His name. When He comes to church, you are the most important thing in His eyes. And so, those that are here today, His focus and attention is on you. And those that raised your hands just a short time ago. He truly is focused and wants to, uh, wants to give the attention that you need to minister to you no matter what that need is today. Do you believe that? Amen. Right. Amen. We believe that. And so, in, our, in both uh, uh, of our storylines today, it involves the Sabbath. And uh, I just want to, the Sabbath has always been something very, very important, okay? After creation, the Lord, the creator of the universe, decided that He was going to celebrate by taking a day off on the seventh day. It took Him seven days. The Bible says He created the universe in six days. And if you want to know how big the universe is, well... Go take an astronomy class and it'll give you a little bit of an idea, right? But So he celebrated by putting in place the Sabbath. And then 
for His people once He established the nation of Israel and He gave them the law and the commandments. He then gave them as a gift into their hands. He gave them the gift of the Sabbath because the Bible says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And He gave the Sabbath as a day of rest and restoration and recovery for humanity. So, it has always been in His mind that day, His whole attention, He wanted our attention to be on Him, but to take a day off because you know when you're working, you sometimes can't focus your attention on you know worshiping God Right, if you're operating some kind of machinery, and you're, you know, you're, they might, you know, they might not think too highly of it. But he always wanted that particular focus to be on him and us, and what he can do for us. And there, you know, it it really does. Uh, it takes. It took the nation of Israel, it took a commitment and a devotion on their part to keep that intact. Let me read to you a story that will kind of, I hope, kind of uh, uh, draw this in a way that maybe you can understand the importance of it in the Jewish faith that still abides by the Old Testament Sabbath. And seeing as how it is baseball season, I know nobody likes baseball, but there might be a couple of people that like baseball. Let me relay a story. In 1965, there was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers by the name of Sandy Koufax. And he was a Jewish man. And he would pitch on the Sabbath if they asked him to. Not very often would that happen, but, but he would. But, one, but what he did do was he drew the line and he refused to pitch in the first game of the World Series in 1965 because it fell on Yon Kipper or the Day of Atonement. Okay? Day of Atonement is the most holy day ever in the nation of Israel. That's when, according to the Old Testament, that high priest would push back, he would enter into the holiest of holies behind that curtain, and he would offer a sacrifice on the mercy seat of God, and God would honor that sacrifice by allowing the nation of Israel to be in good standing until the following Day of Atonement. So, He regarded that day, though, as so important that he refused to pitch in the first game of the World Series because it fell on Jan Kipper. How many of you would like to pitch in the first game of the World Series? Yeah, I knew there would be one hand go up. But instead, Sandy Koufax would spend time in the Jewish synagogue. And the Dodgers would lose, would instead, they would start their other ace, a guy by the name of Don Drysdale. Of course, nobody's ever heard of him either, right? 
Trust me, he did when I was in school. And the Dodgers would lose that first game to the Twins, 8-2. Koufax would go on to pitch in games 2, 5, and 7, throwing complete game shutouts in games 5 and 7. But there's one story that even exceeds this one in regards to his faith over baseball. In 1961, Jan Kipper began at sundown on September 19th and ended at sundown on September 20th. Koufax, as usual, fasted during that holiday. On the night of September 20, after the end of Jan Kipper, Koufax would be on the mound pitching one of the greatest games that has ever been pitched. He would pitch the Dodgers to victory with a 13-inning, 15-strikeout performance, throwing 205 pitches. And there are some historians, and he's alive today, I'd like to call him and say, Hey Sandy, did you really fast? Before you went to the mound? Nobody throws 205 pitches, by the way, today. And so, we need to understand the, the relevance and the importance of this particular day in the eyes of God's people. And I'm talking about Old Testament Israel at this point. And so, chapter 6 begins with the disciples walking through cornfields while they were hungry on the Sabbath. They plucked a couple of ears, rubbing the ear of corn in their hands until they were fully cooked. Just kidding, right? Popcorn. And then they ate the kernels. Now, immediately the Pharisee police force who had them under surveillance apparently, found an opportunity to bring a formal complaint against Jesus and His followers. <laughs> Gets better. Their response to this unlawful action was, to Jesus, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? You see, Deuteronomy 23 and verse 24 permitted a person to go into a farmer's field and eat if he was hungry. But it did not allow them to take a sack lunch home from the same field. But in the minds of the Pharisees, the men were laboring on the Sabbath for plucking wheat from its stem to them was reaping, rubbing the wheat between one's palms was threshing and blowing away the shaft was winnowing. This oral tradition of the Pharisees who were the religious leaders of their day, okay, it was actually preserved in a document called the Mishnah, which, listen carefully, contains no fewer than 24 chapters on how to keep the Sabbath. Among the Pharisees, not Jesus' list, 
But on the Pharisee not-to-do list was they could not carry, they could not burn, they could not finish anything, they could not write anything over one syllable, they weren't allowed to cook, they weren't allowed to wash, they weren't allowed to sow, sift, reap, or harvest. So, under the watchful eyes of the Pharisees, the disciples had just broke the law. Jesus responded by asking them, have you never read your Bible? The Pharisees, you know, the people that knew apparently more, these folks knew more than what was in there. Jesus said, have you never read the Bible of the story of David when he was hungry? How David went into the house of God and he took some of the showbread, which is prepared for the Sabbath and reserved for the priest alone. And out of necessity, he and his men ate. Now, the Lord knew how much the Pharisees revered King David and charges were never brought against David or his men. Matthew records that the priests profaned the temple then. He went on to say, and this is recorded, this is a story in Matthew. Jesus went on to say, and your eyes then, on the Sabbath, the priests profane the temple by doing their priestly requirements of sacrifice or work. Because the work of God didn't shut down on the Sabbath. You understand? The priests still, they operated under that little place called the holy place. They still made sure that the altar was working out front. And they made sure that the candles were burning on the inside. And so the Lord comes back to him and he says, well, then in your mind, then what took place within the temple on the Sabbath, according to you, they were breaking the law, even though they were doing it in accordance with the commandment that was all about the mercy and the atonement for the sacrifice that was going to atone for their sins. And he said, and yet they were considered blameless. And then he goes on and he says, and in this place is one greater than the temple. In other words, he says, you understand the impact and the power and the sacrificial worship that goes on inside that temple. He says, and what the priests are required to do to keep this plan of redemption rolling every day. He says, but I'm telling you, he says, there's one greater than the temple that is standing here today. 
You see, the purpose of the temple was to be a meeting place for God and man to come together. It was called the meeting place. It's where the glory of God shone forth in order not just to minister to His people, but to to draw the crowds from the other nations and say, what's going on inside? He says, and I'm telling you that the one that's speaking to you today, he's greater than what's going on inside that temple because this is the one that they are ministering about for the future. In other words, he's saying, you see, the temple exists for God, but the temple is empty space unless the God of the temple is home. And he's telling the Pharisees that they are standing on holy ground. Oh my goodness, we still do not get the full impact of who he was. And when He came to planet earth from wherever His abode is in the heavens, above the heavens, when He was here on planet earth, that was the invisible Creator of the universe that was walking upon earth. And every footstep that He he took, it was hallowed holy ground. He was the great I Am. The Lord of the temple and the Lord of the harvest is present and accounted for. Jesus tells them two things concerning the Sabbath. He says, number one, the Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. The word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word meaning to rest or to cease from work. As in day number seven... Creation. God gives laws to His people to bless them, not to burden them. God gives laws to His people to bless them, not to burden them. You go against the law of God like Brother Kelly, you might as well try going against the law of gravity. You will not get off the earth. Every one of God's laws elevates the quality of human life. You understand? He, when He gives us a... This whole book is about elevating your life. It's about bringing you an abundant life. It's about bringing things into your life that you cannot get humanly. It's got to come from God Himself. So in the Jewish community, the Sabbath was meant to be a time of celebration for the past week. Oh Lord, it's Sunday and you have been so good to me this past week. I can't hardly stand it, but I'm going to tell you this morning that I'm thankful and I'm going to sing about it and I'm going to rejoice about it and I'm going to tell people about it. 
It was meant to be a time of celebration for the past week and a time of renewing, of restoring your strength for the coming week. It was to be a time of singing, of feasting. If you've never been to Israel and you've never been around the Jewish people as they come out and they begin to to sing and to dance and to pray around that wailing wall, you've not lived. So it was a time to celebrate. It's a time. We don't come to church, amen, to hear about how the devil has beat you up and kicked you around and the world has treated you wrong. No, sir. I'm here today because it's a day of celebration. It was a time of singing, of feasting, A time that families would get together and give God thanks for His provision and care. A time to come together as a family. A time when you had finally an opportunity to sit down after church and discuss family and say, hey son, hey daughter, hey wife, hey husband, hey, how was God in your life this past week? It was never intended to be a burden. It was never intended to be a not-to-do list. Then Jesus tells the Pharisees something that must have been like a keg of dynamite. In Mark 2.28, He said, And the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. If you're a Pharisee, that's a problem. See, the law of the Sabbath was given by God. Therefore, the Sabbath can never be greater than the God who wrote it. He wrote and instituted the Sabbath. So, the author and the one that instituted He standing on that cornfield that day, he looked at him and he said, oh man, you are about as smart as a rock. He says, I wrote the law. I instituted it. I understand why its purpose is for her. Oh, it was all about to help you. Recover and renew your strength. Listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 40 and 28. Don't you know, he says, haven't you heard? The Lord is the eternal God, creator of the earth. He never gets tired. His wisdom cannot be measured. The Lord gives strength to those who are weary. He says, Even young people get tired. They stumble and they fall. But to those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Jesus was challenging the authority of the Pharisees. He was telling them that the Sabbath is not yours to regulate. It is my gift to my people. Therefore, I am taking it back from you and I'm going to give it back to them. We could say Jesus' plan was to elevate the Sabbath to a higher level. In the Old Testament, it was characterized, no matter if it was a Sabbath, a day of rest, it was still characterized by the slaying of animals and dead bodies, even on the Sabbath. But the New Testament, this Sabbath has been elevated to a new day. The Bible calls it The Bible calls it the first day of the week. It's no longer, no longer is it tied unto death and dead rituals. It has been elevated in the New Testament to the celebration of the resurrection. My Sabbath today is a time to celebrate new life, new opportunity, His resurrection, which will be mine someday. Not so much as a day of rest, but a day of renewed life. A fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on. come on. Today is not meant to be a burden, but a day of spiritual blessing. The seventh day Sabbath celebrates a finished creation. The first day Sabbath celebrates a finished redemption. The Son of Man hath power over the Sabbath. They did not get it. Then we go to a second story. Verse number 6. Then on another Sabbath, He enters into the church, begins to teach. There was a man there whose right hand was withered. This time, the scribes and the Pharisees show up. The scribes are the ones that the Pharisees tell how you know what to write. The scribes write the law. And then the Pharisees give the interpretation, I guess. Now they both show up. Matthew 12 and 10 begins a story with, Behold, there was a man which had a withered hand. Luke tells us it was a man's right hand that was withered. When behold is used in Scripture, it means the author is drawing our attention to something of great significance that is about ready to happen. Withered here means wilted or shriveled. You ever seen a withered hand? They're around. I mean, it's like... The right hand represents power, strength, skill, usefulness. 
I'm here to tell you today that there are some of us, there are some of us, I'll point right here, that we somehow, we put a thermostat, we put a regulator on the power of God that, come, that can come into our life. We're okay with, you know, just room temperature, if you will. That's not what God wants to do in your life. No, sir. He wants to restore. Listen, you if you don't have the same experience that you did when you first received the Holy Ghost, then you need to ask God for a rebaptism of that same power because it's going to take it's going to take that kind of power to get you to the place that he wants to get you to. That hand represents power, strength, skill, and usefulness. The theology of the day according to the Pharisees, that withered hand was perceived as an element of God's judgment on sin. God's not here in the house to judge you today. God's here in the house to set you at liberty. God is here today to, 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 to heal you. God's not here. He's not here to judge you today. That will come later. But no, sir. He is all about when you come into the house of God and when He shows up, His attention is all about restoring you. As our teacher said, it's about seeking and saving that which was lost and then restoring you to a place of power and strength and courage so that you can have this relationship with Him that is going to compel you to go out into the world and be a lighthouse to those that are discouraged, those that are broken. Come on, amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Furthermore, the teaching of the law according to the Pharisees was like this. This was found in their their 34 their 34 chapters on. They said to the people, imagine celebrating the Sabbath, right? And you got to worry about if you're taking one step too many or if you're you, you can't finish something that you started or you can't, you know, I mean, it goes on and on, but according to the teaching of the Pharisees, it was like this. You are not allowed to straighten the limb of a child or set a broken bone during the Sabbath and you are not allowed to pour cold water over the place that it hurts because that is working. And they said, and with that in place, if he's healed, he's healed. So, so, if, you, so if you break your leg, right? If you break your leg on church day, ain't nobody going to come around and, and try to give minister first day. They're just going to say, well, if he's, it must be the will of God. If he's healed, he's healed. There was only two 
There was only two areas that they could minister aid to on the Sabbath. One was a woman giving birth. And the other one was for somebody just about ready to kick the bucket. I guess give them last rites. But other than that, they say, if you had a toothache, okay, you, you could drink vinegar for the pain, but you couldn't gargle it because that was work. You could take a drink and swallow it, but you couldn't gargle it. I can't, I give you, I give you notes. Oh, aren't you glad that Jesus arrived on the scene? Aren't you glad the author brought the plan to earth in his own hands and his actions portrayed the intent and the purpose of why this book was given in the first place? It was for your healing. It was for your full recovery. It was for you to be encouraged. It was to heal your withered and your brokenness. It was to give you hope during the night. And if He's healed, He's healed. Other than those two areas... Man-made traditions forbid giving aid to the needy. So the Pharisees have already busted the Lord's disciples. Now they're watching to accuse their leader of the same crime. Luke reads it like this in 6-7, The scribes and Pharisees watched Him whether He would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find accusation against Him. The word watch here implies close observation like a suspicious merchant watching a suspicious looking customer just waiting for them to break the law. My Lord. That's what Jesus put up with in His day. The people had the wrong... They, they, they were so far... They were so far out. They weren't even right, left, or center field because of this movement. I'm here to remind you today that we live in the church age, the day of grace. If you're here today, there is one thing that God wants to do today. He wants to minister to your need. He wants to save your soul. He wants to give you a new birth experience that is going to fill you with power. Not man-made power, but the power, the same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. That's what He wants to put into your life. Don't sell in short. In fact, don't sell your life short. Get everything that... Listen, He is the life Creator. He knows what makes you tick. you got some of His DNA in you. He knows what you need. He wants to minister to you today. But they watched Him. You know, people that come to church 
and they just watch wondering what's going to happen today or, you know, watching that one person that is, you know, whatever it is, you know, hey, man, I, that guy's really weird, you know, and listen, if you, when you, when you enter into the house of God, when you break those doors open and you come to this place, I pray to God that your your intention is all about Him. Because I guarantee you, when you walk through that door and He shows up in the house, His attention is all about you. It's not about what other people think. It's not about what you're wearing. It's all focused upon, I wonder what they need today. So they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him of breaking, of breaking his law. Imagine, right? He's the one that wrote the law. And they think they've got enough wisdom to accuse him and take him to court. Mark reads this, says, but Jesus knew their thoughts. Mark says, Jesus looked, listen carefully, this is in Mark's gospel. Bible says, Jesus looked at them with anger. Sarah says that he looked, here was a man. Listen, the story tradition says that this man with a withered hand, that he was a stonemason by trade, and that he was tired of begging for a living, and he decided to go to church on Sunday morning, and he heard Jesus was going to be in the house, and he thought, well, just maybe, maybe I can get his attention for just one moment. But it says Jesus looked at them with anger. He didn't show it on the outside. But that anger means this. That He looked at them with anger being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. Being grieved because there was a person sitting next next to whomever this man came to church because he needed something for God. Yes. And there was a group that sat around him and all they were doing was they were going to look for some reason to prove that it wasn't real. He looked at them with anger, being grieved because they didn't understand. He was the Creator. Yeah. 
When we come to the house of our God, it's all about Him. His entire purpose, His entire purpose, that invisible God, the reason why He came in the first place was to save you and then to strengthen you and encourage you. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, tradition, or He said that He was a stonemason. Jesus calls him out and He says, Sir, stand up. Right? He's probably sitting in the back, right? He says, Sir, stand up. Pharisees and scribes are looking, you know. They're looking. Yeah. And this man stands up. And then Luke records, not only that, he says, Hey, I want you to come down front. Oh boy. Can you imagine those scribes and Pharisees? They're like, oh boy, we got him. (laughs) Well, yeah, we got him. He says, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And then he speaks to the Pharisees and he says this. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil? To save life or destroy it. Matthew reads like this. He says, what would you do if one of your sheep fell into a pit on the Sabbath? Would you let it die or would you save it? And he says, how much then is a man better than a sheep? I'm telling you what, this morning, if you're struggling with the value of yourself as a person, I'm here to remind you and and explain to you that in the eyes of God, you are His firstborn. There are no secondborns in God's family. We're all firstborn. You know what that means? That means that everything that He's got flows from heaven's throne down into the firstborn. That means everything that He's got, all of His riches come directly through Him and into you. They don't come through man to man to man. Yes, we have a place and a calling in the ministry, but when it comes to your value as a soul... The way that God looks at you. It doesn't matter if you're withered or weary or weary and withered. In the eyes of God, everything He's got, you are His firstborn and He is wanting to pour everything He owns into your life. And trust me, He is rich. He says, so Mr. Mr. Pharisee, how do you tell me? Is it okay to do good on the Sabbath or you want me to do evil? And he says, Mr. Pharisee, if you lose a sheep or a goat or a pig, no, wait a minute, you're not supposed to have that pig, but somebody saw you with a pig the other day. <laughs> if it fell into a pit and it started going, wah, 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 what would you do? 
Can you imagine if your child broke their leg and they said, Mama, Dada, me brokey leggy and need help me. Sorry, son. Gotta wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Boom. You understand that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to make it known whereby this book was not meant to be a burden. It was meant to be an eternal blessing upon your soul and to give you a life in this now and now, a more abundant life. Full. He says, so sir, now that you stood up and you came down, why don't you do a little do a little twitch for me first so these people know that, you know, I'm not going to ask you to, you know. This is one. So down, they, they measure your legs, right? And then the preacher comes along and he tugs at your foot and you know, they measure it and they say, well, you're half an inch too short on your right leg. And then they come down and they, they tug at your foot and they tell you to stand up. No, glory to God. You just extended your leg half an inch. Oh, this guy said, hey, Jesus said, hey, I want you to come down. I want you to, you know, wiggle that thing around a little bit if you can. Hey, if some of us would be so brazen to come down there, right? <laughs> the Lord calling your name. He's saying, hey, yo, why don't you come down here and show the people who you really are? So I can heal you. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> No, Kelly, I'm sorry, you don't have a flaw. <laughs> but Jake, you don't got no flaw. That's his soul. You don't got a weary heart. You don't have heart issues. You don't wake up in the middle of the night or the morning wonder you've got this anxiety. You wonder what in the world is going to happen today. No, sir, I don't. You know why? Because I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, you've got to heal this weary heart today because it's not doing good right now. I need a couple of... Oh, excuse me. I already had a couple of shots of caffeine and it still is kind of woo-woo-woo-woo. You understand? Jesus wants today to be the day that matters in your life. You showed up today. You might as well get what He's got for you today. And He said, Sir, stretch forth your hand. And the man did. And the Pharisees, they went ballistic. The Bible says they went out in a rage and they grouped together a city council in order to find, figure out how they could destroy this guy for doing good on the day that he made. 
figure that one out. As we close this morning and you stand. Oh man. Do you, you get it? Do you really get Why do you come to church? Why do you make it a big deal? Brother Tim, I love you, man. You are my evangelistic brother. Amen. This guy, you can't keep him out of church. I've told two times a Take the dynamite goes off twelve oh five, right? And blows up and I, and I gotta I gotta run for the door because everybody gets mad. I should I have I have gone to the hospital before, right? Flip flopped around and stuff and Kathleen says, Well, I better go call the pastor because he's dying on me. I don't want to be in that room. I get up two hours later, and they're walking me back very carefully to the motel room, and they're saying, I said, they say, well, what are you going to I said, well, I've got to change shirts and go to church. They said, what? You can't do that. I said, well, why not? That's why I came here. So Scorch is not here. <laughs> or Jason. I said, we got married! Kathleen and I did a couple of years ago. She was a teenager. We had a honeymoon. And then, that was Saturday and Sunday, we showed up walking into church on Sunday morning and they were like, oh boy, what's wrong with the problem? What happened? There's something wrong. What happened? I understand? This is where I met Jesus. This is where I was made whole. This is where He took my weary heart and He restored it. He made a new heart out of me. You ain't going to keep me out of church. And not likely you're going to keep me from at least teaching. His great, wonderful message. Although, I still feel a little bit like preaching. Come on, amen. Oh, God, they thought they took counsel how they might destroy him. And they had court. And they convicted him. You know the only thing he was guilty of? Innocence. And they hung him on a cross. And he said, I want you to know that when I go to the grave, I'm going to seal the old Sabbath. But I'm telling you that there's a new day coming. And when I pop out of that grave on Sunday morning, there's going to be a new family that I'm going to start. It's called the church. And He is here today for the purpose of ministering to your need, whatever it might be. 
I can only challenge you this morning that if you raised your hand, if you will simply, if you will simply follow through with allowing and asking God to minister to that need, whatever it was, nobody knows what that need is. You don't even have to tell nobody but God. I could build a little wooden box if you want, and you could talk to me if you want, okay? But it ain't going to do much good if you tell me. You can, you can tell him though, okay? And, he, and he, he will do what he can do. So if you're here today, if you have a need, if you need a miracle in your life, whatever it is today, maybe you just need to be rebaptized in the power of the Spirit. Then I challenge you to come today. And if you're a visitor here today, the Lord bless you. We just want nothing but the best for your life. But this is a time when we challenge folks to come to an altar. This is what we call an altar coming to the front. Here it is that we place ourselves into the hand of God and we ask Him for deliverance and restoration and renewal, forgiveness, whatever it is. So if you're here today, if you would come, if you need a miracle, if you need special prayer, you come and we will anoint you with oil and we will pray in faith that God would minister to you. But whoever you are today, you don't have to come down to the front, but you can just pray where you are. But those that raised your hand, would you come? Would you come and would you seek the Lord here for just a few minutes? Hallelujah. Sister Marilyn, could we have some ladies come? Pray for your sister here, please. Some of our ladies, please come. We're so thankful to see this great lady again. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. Come on, ladies. Please, ladies here. All that you would heal here. All that you would heal here.